All right, people of Earth. This is Hacker Mike. Back at you on a rainy Wednesday morning. Well, it rained all night. But it's not raining now. It was a slight drizzle when I got out because those were drops from the trees. <clears throat> and uh, we just did three... We just did three episodes on Vlad Vapnik, who's now my new hero. They understated, over-intellectualized Soviet mathematician who calls out all the computer scientists as suffering from illusions. And um, I think that's good. And he's not getting the press that he needs. People can't understand a word he's saying. I hope that I contributed to some of that <clears throat> in my podcast to try and decipher using my personal history of talking to foreigners and learning foreign languages that I think I might help decipher and attack some of these uh, language issues. So, if anyone... But the mathematics behind what he's actually saying are even deeper. And I tried to listen to the MIT talk, and my eyes glazed over. Because I don't have the mathematical foundation. So, I think... To fully understand what this guy's writing, it might take me a couple of years of study. So, um, in the meantime, I thought, I was talking to my dad, hey dad, and we were talking about uh, just shooting the, shooting the bull, and, um, <clears throat> you know, I brought up this neural link, and um, I was talking about um, Facebook, how I finally, uh, I did a short period of connecting with my family on Facebook, and um, I ended it again after I started seeing these posts that were censored by Facebook where it said, oh, this is not true. You know, and fact check false on the post that people were sharing. And I thought, wow, I am not going to subject myself to that. But then I made the connection what if this fact check false would show up on your neural link? Like, you get your brain enhancing chip embedded and you're able to communicate at a very high speed with a computer and able to share your thoughts with Silicon Valley douchebags who are now inside your head. And now they're going to tell you that your thoughts are thought crimes, right? And I was just imagining, like, that you'll get assigned to a re-education program that's inside your head. They're gonna be like, slave, please report to your re-education program for two hours a day. Um, otherwise, they don't have to send you to jail in the future because you're not able to buy anything 
or go anywhere and enter any building or access any internet unless you have your chip in your head. So then they'll just turn your chip off and put you into jail and you'll starve to death, right? Or they can send you shocks. So I'm, I'm just imagining a dystopian future where we're being controlled from inside of our brain. And um, we haven't even talked about advertising and propaganda. What's going to happen when you have these chips in your head and you've got pop-up ads running? Right? All of a sudden you start seeing Mickey Mouse running around in your head or whatever or spam. You know, just imagine with some unsavory content popping up in your brain at high speed across the neural link. And um, as much as we like to uh, think that we're so grand in our technology, Vlad's going to put us in our place. And he's going to tell us that all of our technology are just illusions and that we haven't solved the problems, the hard problems of recognizing spam versus not spam, good versus bad. And we might never do that. He said that people have been focusing on imitating intelligence so long, but they haven't been focused on understanding what is truly intelligence, what it makes a good teacher, right? That's his story. How does a teacher select his core elements? What makes one good teacher versus a bad teacher? These are unsolved problems, he says. And, um, Until we can solve those, we're not going to solve the spam problem either. So, to put it this way, I think the idea of a neural link is great for people who are disabled. It'll be a godsend. But the idea of letting Mark Zuckerberg in my brain is very distasteful. And I hope that you think about that as well. Um... You know, I was saying that uh, people are just working a minimum wage job working for Facebook. You know, you're being paid $10 an hour to look at ads and feed the neural networks for them to give them data points because they need zillions of data points because they don't have Vlad. But on the other side, I'm kind of happy that artificial intelligence is hard and that mathematics is hard and that people don't get it because to be honest we don't want to make these companies better we don't want them to be more intrusive and be better at spying on us and running psyop operations and of control of 
guiding our thoughts. <clears throat> if we look at the history of California, it's the history of the military-industrial complex. What did it produce besides the military-industrial complex? It produced Hollywood, the propaganda arm of the world, of the military-industrial complex, and it produced all the Silicon Valley companies, which are could be seen as the other arm, the technology arm of the military-industrial complex. So think about that. All right. Now I have to do some more research on that topic because I don't have all the facts. But this is just my little rant, okay? Just my little narrative. I'm not dropping knowledge on you right now. I'm just expressing some ideas. Because we have been pent up for the last couple of days, you know, learning mathematics. And it's been tough. Interesting, but tough. All right. So I watched the debate a little bit last night, fell asleep. I thought, um, Joe looked very pale and, um, and weak and frail. He, he didn't make a great impression on me in terms of someone who's going to really take charge of the situation. And um, I can only imagine that he's being set up to fall so that um, Hillary can step in after Kamala. I mean, maybe she's just going to go into the cabinet and just run things as a secretary of state. So that was um, quite interesting. Yeah, it's 529. It's funny to see people outside. They don't quite expect me either. So, I'm planning my trip up north soon to work on my bunker there's a weird LED light in the water 
and um, <clears throat> so we're gonna have a little change of pace here from New Jersey to Boontown, USA, and the more I walk around, and I've been exploring Ewing and Trenton, I think it's a great town. It's amazing how people have these little pockets of beauty, little pockets of civilization, little streets that try so hard to have a community. And there's some real great families and gardens and uh, scarecrows and artwork that people display. Excuse me. And it's, um, morning. Okay, put this on pause. Yeah, it's funny to encounter another person walking at night in the dark without the reflective vest on. At least you know when you see me, I've got my reflective vest, my jogger shoes. Those are symbols of someone who is walking or let's just say not trying to hide. to give you some kind of idea of comfort. I guess I could be pretty weird looking if someone sees me with my headset on talking to myself in the middle of the night walking down the street. They'd be like, what? <laughs> oh, I'm just getting my exercise in. And I noticed how my uh, love handles are definitely shrinking. And I'm slimming up just from walking. So you guys are joining me in my fat reduction program. And um, I just talked to my wife about this yesterday. Like, um, bicycling versus walking. I used to snob at people who walked. I used to be a big bicycle fan. Got a lot of big bicycle collection. But I'm sitting all day, guys. So why do I want to sit on the bicycle? And why should I hurt my butt sitting on that bicycle? I mean, just so I can go faster? Do I need to go faster? Or is not the journey the goal, not just the distance traveled. Am I really trying to travel a distance or I'm just trying to do something healthy? And standing up straight and walking and uh, moving your whole body in a natural way, it's great. As opposed to being hunched over, having your butt hurt on some bicycle seat 
and sitting, basically. Sure, if you're trying to move fast, bicycle is much better than walking. And jogging and running, I'm not planning on doing right now because, I mean, fast walking, yes, but actual hopping in the air and pounding my feet and my knees on the pavement with my weight hitting it every time, that's not what I want to do because that could be bad for my body. So step up the pace. And that's it. Wow, we haven't had any of these just talk shows in a long time. Just me and you having a little conversation, shooting the bull, expressing some narratives. So, we'll see what happens with this whole uh, election. I'm not planning on covering it in any great detail. You'll find much better people than me to talk politics. But I will talk geek to you. So, <sighs> yep, running out of content here. Well, I said what I wanted to say. I guess we could listen to some clips together. I've got a whole bunch of new material to go through. <clears throat> new books is just spewing more new things. Now, I, I, I don't need to cover all this leftist material ad nauseum. I think you got the idea of, if you listen to my episodes, you get the idea that there is definitely a censorship on the agenda from the socialists because they also have to censor themselves because the real goal behind all of the criticism and you know the criticism is valid there's a lot of points you can criticize there's a lot of things you could be upset about and the history of labor it's definitely interesting 
and people used to have to work with no health care in dangerous environments with child labor. And that got cleaned up, also thanks to the socialists. And we all benefit from that. No question. And people need some time off. I mean, even having a weekend, imagine that. Imagine that. So, but those things were made possible via, you know, labor and unions and socialism. Um, <clears throat> well, also a lot of the jobs left, they went to places where the rights of the workers are not respected. So think about that. And how many of the products of our socialists are created in antisocial conditions? because we've turned into consumerists. <clears throat> Just purchasing the junk that's imported from other countries. But where does that money go? Like when we give all this money and create a humongous trade deficit to buy electronic junk being made in inhuman conditions <clears throat> in environmentally unfriendly locations, who gets all that money? And what's being done with it? And um, what are the what are they buying with all that money? Well, education for their kids. If you've ever been to Princeton. morning and um, port cities all over the world and um, yeah we think newspapers and maybe even New York City so we have to think that by buying electronic junk we're actually promoting inhuman behavior, but also we're promoting the um, communist Chinese takeover of America indirectly and of the world, because we're fueling that fire. <clears throat> and if we were not to do that, things would be much more expensive 
we wouldn't be able to have all this stuff, but we would have more jobs. And I think it's possible to create smart, ecologically friendly manufacturing like they do in Germany, and Sweden, in the uh, Northern European countries. They have all types of super high-tech engineering going on. And their whole society is set up to produce amazing engineers. But what are we producing? We're producing people working as baristas in Starbucks, consuming junk from China, coffee from vassal states in South America, polluting the world and then ranting about exactly that which they are and I guess I could fall into that category describing myself I guess in some way Not a barista, though. Well, 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 well. Okay. So, yeah, maybe we're going to uh, listen to some clips now. We're running out of some, running out of steam to talk about. But it is nice having a little chit chat. And, uh, yeah, let's see what the, let's roll the dice and see what the dice bring up. Oh, I was listening to, <laughs> well, Vapnik was talking about rolling dice. Does God roll dice? That was hilarious. That guy's a real, um, a real character. But we're listening to the Stranger Things rundown on some podcast I found on Podiverse. Let me talk about Podiverse, Podverse real quick. I like it because it allows me to see trending episodes, clips, and podcasts on different time frames. I don't have to subscribe to them all. So that's really cool. 
and I'm hoping that the podcast index will give us that as well. You know, some form of being able to search for new material. Like, well, there was a debate yesterday. Let's find all the uh, shows about the debate. You know? I couldn't really find any. I guess it's too early to wait for reactions. Except on Spotify. And they say that uh, this platform that I'm using for Anchor is part of Spotify. And um, I wonder how long until it gets, until I get the platform from there. So I better start backing up my episodes, backing up my podcast with the archive org. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for our intro. And now we're going to bring up some clips of random. All right. So when we talk about invariance, we're talking about things that are true for all times. So <clears throat> I can definitely identify some things that are going to be true for C language, Unix systems, GCC compiler. And um, so for the one, we're going to have pointers. And we can make all types of invariants about pointer structures. But more than that, we're going to have self-describing and self-similar systems. So we're going to have one section of, of the graph that is going to constrain and describe another section of the graph. So <clears throat> basically, we could start by saying, well, we have a graph with 40,000 elements in it right now that I'm looking at. 48,000, let's say 50,000 elements. Now, if I have to compare all 50,000 elements with all 50 other thousand elements, you know, that's 50,000 squared. That's pretty freaking big. And if we have to do more operations on that, are more complicated than just a simple comparison you know it can get huge quickly so we need to actually reduce the cardinality of the chunks that we want to compare and it's going to be like a function that's going to process like one of the functions in the graph might actually produce one section of the graph. So the graph will be described by another section. And well, that section might be in the compiler itself, might be someplace in the application code. So you might actually have to pull in descriptions. They might not all be in the same context. But uh, these are some invariants that I'm thinking about. 
you know, we'll have hierarchies, we'll have pointers, we'll have lists, we'll have an arrays. We'll have all these different basic data structures, strings, that we will find. Quack, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. Those type of predicates. And I think we can come up with those. So, <clears throat> I kind of like this idea because I've got 20 years of notes on these different ideas. And multiple experiments, multiple stabs at it. And it might turn out to be the ontology language, the web ontology language might be expressive enough to express these truths. We might say a type is declared by a decla declaration. Types are declared. It's like, wow. What an amazing idea. I mean, how much information is in that? <clears throat> Declarations have names. Okay, guys, I gotta go. Okay, my walk's almost over. I'm listening to the Tim Dillon show, The Gates of Hell. It's so hilarious. And he's like, talking about his experience trying to buy a Mac MacBook. And they said he has to make, he has to make an appoint appointment. And he's saying that the impulse buy is what fuels the American economy. And the COVID's destroying that, which is going to destroy the economy, he's saying. He makes a good point. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to put this show out. Nothing amazing, but I hope you enjoy my idea of the um, dystopian neural link and the brain police. So have a great day.